All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups, and we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders, and let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Justin Potts, who is the co-founder and CEO of Avenify. Justin, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, it's good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I know we've been back and forth on Twitter, just about all sorts of tech stuff, you know, over the last year or, or so. So it's cool to connect and dive a little deeper into what you're working on. So for people that don't know what Avenify is, can you give us an idea of uh, what it is? Yeah, so Eventify is an alternative to student loans. Um, we enable nursing students to finance their education with income share agreements, uh, no cosigner credit score or collateral required. Okay, so let's talk about both sides of this, starting on the student side. So I'm, you know, maybe in high school or maybe I'm way older and I want to go back to school, but it's expensive. Um, you know, how can you talk about a little bit of the user experience of how this works? Is it tied to a school? Are you separate from a school um, for people that aren't familiar? And also, I guess one one question on top of that, could you start with kind of explaining um, what a ISA is as well and how it kind of goes hand in hand with what you do? Sure. So an income share agreement is basically an agreement in which a participant receives uh, something of value up front in exchange for a percentage of their future income. Um, and so this value upfront can be anything from money, uh, tuition credits, mentorship. Um, and you've seen, probably seen this model applied to a lot of different areas. Um, I think Lambda School is probably one that, that might come to mind for, for most of your listeners, um, where the student you know, goes to school, they don't pay anything until they're employed and earning above some minimum income threshold. Um, and so in our case, um, the participant receives uh, funding, basically like a student loan. They can use that for anything they want. Um, and then once they graduate school and uh, become a nurse, they'll start making payments as a percentage of their future income. Um, right now, we're not tied to any schools. So we're completely independent, uh, just like uh, SoFi or Common Bond. Uh, don't, don't work with any schools. Um, and so we go directly to the students in that sense. Um, we're focused on nursing students right now. And so, um, you know, that allows us to take into account a lot of different information we can use to set the terms, um, like their academic performance, their school's performance, um, and basically estimate their future earning potential and set the terms based on that. So do you take any qualitative data into account when assessing someone's earning potential? Like, uh, I guess, what, what are some of the other things you look at when you got, let's say I, you know, wanted to get a nursing school. Um, what are things that you look at for me? And do I know uh, the things that you look at? So I know why I got the rate that I got? Or um, is there transparency there? Or is it kind of um, different for different for each situation? 
Yeah, so, you know, uh, we, we have kind of our standard underwriting model that we apply to every student uh, that applies for funding on our platform. Um, some of that data that we look at includes their GPA, um, their performance in certain classes, um, whether they're on track to graduate and, you know, whether they've been on track to graduate uh, for their entire academic career. Um, we also look at school performance statistics. So we factor in things like graduation rate uh, or the nursing exam uh, pass rate for students that graduate from that school. Um, and then we factor in macroeconomic data like cost of living in certain cities, um, you know, open positions in the job field that they're going to be applying for. Um, and so we combine all of that to get kind of a sense of their future earning potential, likelihood to repay. What this allows us to do is basically fund students that might not have otherwise had the opportunity. So, you know, 95% of uh, student loans on the market today require a credit score or a cosigner. And for many students that don't have a credit score, they have to fall back on that cosigner. And, you know, as I'm sure you know, there are tons of students that don't have a cosigner that maybe have a qualifying credit score or collateral to put up for these loans. Um, and so our vision is that not only can we address the population of students that are looking for friendlier and more affordable financing, um, but we can actually serve a population that traditionally has not been able to afford school, um, uh, whether they have to drop out because they've run out of savings or scholarship funds or whether they can't even attend in the first place. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love kind of how you walk through evaluating someone's earnings potential. And the reason why that's so important is because you got people on the other side, right, that are investing into, into these students. Can you talk a little bit on what the experience is like for, you know, let's say I, I you know, had, had a bunch of money for my career and, and I wanted to, to invest in Aventify, uh, meaning like invest in your students. What does that look like? Can I invest in, our, in, in a particular student? Is it a fund? Can you walk through what it's like uh, for a investor? Yeah, and so this is a really exciting part of kind of using this alternative financing instrument is that, um, you know, we've essentially unlocked the, this additional investable asset class and that asset class is human potential. Um, and so kind of for the first time, you're able to uh, put money uh, into people, help further them towards this goal um, and earn a return when they succeed. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really exciting concept. And so um, on our platform uh, for the past year, we've, we've allowed uh, investors to essentially um, buy shares into a pooled fund of students. Um, and then once those students graduate and get a job, those investors will start um, earning dividends of that uh, student's income. And obviously, the better the student does, the better the investors do and the, and the better Eventify does. Um, and so it's truly, you know, a win-win situation for everybody involved, which I don't think you really get um, in the current lending environment, right? You have all of these traditional student loans that um, are offering these predatory and, and you know, discriminatory terms, um, and only the investors are winning. And so I think with this model, um, it really aligns the incentives between the lenders and the investors and the uh, participants um, and, and makes it better for everybody. Would you compare yourself to um, like almost an investment bank for people like like you're you're doing something new where you're not managing i mean you're managing money but you're not investing into stocks or bonds you're investing into people do you have you come up with like a name or a category that uh, the, uh, the type of investor you are or the type of investors that invest in, into into the fund that invest in the students yeah we haven't really come up with with a name but you know it's interesting that you say that um in kind of a, a hedge fund type approach and it's essentially how our 
uh, kind of corporate hierarchy is structured where we have Avenify as kind of this investment advisor and Avenify is managing these funds that are making investments um, on behalf of accredited investors into this kind of new asset class. Um, and so I think that's exciting to kind of watch it develop and, and build it from the ground up. And, um, you know, now that we're starting to scale and reach even more students, we're, um, you know, attracting institutional involvement through, you know, private credit funds, hedge funds, and family offices, um, and kind of managing those investments on behalf of them as well. Um, and so I think it's it's definitely an, an exciting time in the world of income share agreements. And, um, you know, I definitely hope that, you know, we'll continue to see traction and continue to expand in ways beyond just, you know, student financing for a specific vertical. And I'm curious, uh, why, uh, just for my own knowledge, um, it's, you said that you're managing the funds of accredited investors, which makes total sense, but I'm kind of curious, can you educate me on why couldn't I, who was not a credit investor or like Johnny, who, who, who might have a good salary, but isn't a credit investor, what is like the legal reason um, that they aren't able to invest or like, what's the liability you take on? I just love to learn a little bit about like what the accredited investor kind of like phase is able to unlock um, and what you aren't able to do before then, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and so for anybody listening an accredited investor is uh, essentially a person that is earning um, more than $200,000 a year. And they have earned that for the past, I think, two or three years um, or has a net worth of a million or more, excluding their primary residence. Um, and so this uh, restriction is kind of imposed on uh, by the SEC. Um, and so given that income share agreements are essentially securities because you're giving money to someone and you're expecting some kind of return from that, um, we're limited to standard securities laws that apply to everything from stock investments to uh, angel investments and startups and things like that. Um, and so both of our opportunities to invest uh, in, in these ISAs so far that we've launched, we've done through something called a 506C uh, exemption which basically means that we can advertise the opportunity to invest in these students to people we don't have a prior relationship with. So, you know, I can tweet out a link and say, go invest in students. Uh, and that's allowed um, so long as that everybody that's investing is accredited and uh, is a verified accredited investor. Um, you know, and there are other private placement offerings, like uh, I think it's 506B um, that startups are, that startups typically do. And this says, um, accredited investors can invest uh, as long as the uh, offering has essentially been kept private um, and only uh, and and only marketed to people that are already in your current network. And so this is why you don't really see startups go on Twitter and say, "Hey, we're raising a round. DM me if you want to invest," because um, it wouldn't be in compliance with that securities exemption there. Um, for companies like Rally Road or um, you know, anybody that's allowing people to put in as little as $20, um, they've gone through additional steps, whether it's, you know, registering themselves as a broker dealer or going through a partner um, that allows them to offer those securities to other people. Um, and so the reason that we went with kind of this accredited approach is it's far more affordable um, for us to do in the early stage. Um, and given that students are typically requesting five to $10,000, um, it's much easier to just spend time, you know, collecting uh, larger checks from these accredited investors to kind of test the product at scale on the student side. Um, and then if we see that it's a, an attractive asset class uh, for investors, then we can start thinking about how we open it up to more people. 
Yeah, that's a great answer. I appreciate that. So I want to get some more clarity on the investor side, more of the investor mindset. So um, when you look at, um, at least I can talk about like venture capital, you look at venture capital and these these VC um, firms raise funds, right? And then the, their goal is, I don't have to tell you, but for the people listening, is to return ideally at 3x the fund, 4x the fund if it's spectacular, but they want a return on that fund. Is it the same um, for, sorry, and I'll back up one second. And the way they, did the, they, the way they return the fund is usually many startups fail, a few do fine, then one startup like Uber you know, covers the losses of everything else and they get that three or four X across the whole fund for, for you. Is it kind of similar? Like, do you, obviously you're expecting all your students to do well, but do you have funds and then investors invest in funds and you're expecting a certain type of return on a specific fund? And if not, how, how does all that work? Yeah. So we definitely expect, and, and we price in some kind of expected return um, and we price that in when we're setting the ISAs and, and we have internal models that we that we point investors to in terms of our kind of assumptions and projections. Um, but, you know, I think VC operates on kind of this power law, like you mentioned, where it really only takes one startup to return the fund. Um, and ISAs are a little bit more like debt in that um, you really need everybody to be high performing or at least perform on target. Um, and so, you know, like you said, in startups, when they, you know, forex that that investment, um, it's really not possible with income share agreements because the total payments are capped um, at a certain amount. So, in our case, um, a student will never pay more than two and a half times the amount they borrowed. Um, so, if they borrow 10k, they'll never pay more than 25k uh, throughout the the course of their repayment. Um, and so that provides a little bit more of, of debt-like returns. Um, we do price in, you know, uh, additional risk factors that, that make those a little bit more attractive returns for investors. Um, but what we're seeing is that investors aren't only investing for that financial return. Um, they're also really excited by the opportunity to kind of diversify their investment portfolio in an asset class that, with especially in nursing, is uh, fairly recession-proof. Um, and the social good part of it. So not only are you able to earn that return, but you're also, uh, you know, enabling students to go to school and in our case, enabling nursing students to go to school and, and fill that shortage. Um, and so I think like that's really important. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's really exciting to investors to have kind of all three of these um, kind of motivators uh, bundled into one asset class. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating. I've been, I've been interested in the, in, in, in pretty much everything that a company is, I now see people being on and, you know, companies start off as very small, creators start off as small, they grow in value. Um, you know, they're, you know, it's just, there's a lot of similarities, but we haven't really crossed the path to, on the individual side to like do the same things with individuals that we do with companies. Now that's kind of changing, you know, starting with what you're doing. Do you have a vision um, not necessarily for Eventify, which we'll get into in a second, but just investing in people. Do you see what's happening in the industry of allowing, you know, investors to invest not in entities, not in organizations, but people? Have you seen much movement in there outside of what you're doing? And do you have like some predictions on what's going to be, um, I guess, built uh, to allow more people to invest in individuals versus uh, companies? Yeah, I think, you know, it's still pretty early in kind of this new ISA movement. Um, ISAs have been around since uh, 1955 when they were first proposed by Milton Friedman. 
Um, but they're fairly new in practice. Coding boot camps only really started adopting these around 2012. There had been a couple lending experiments uh, around 2014, um, but there's kind of been this resurgence of income share agreements in the market. And so I think we're only really starting to see the beginning of their potential. Um, and I think there's a lot of room for it to grow beyond its applications today. Um, you know, what I would really like to see is some kind of marketplace for human potential where, um, you know, let's say you're a musician or let's say you're an artist um, and you want to raise money for a project or for a composition, um, you know, essentially going and building uh, a GoFundMe page and having people go and invest in that um, and earning some kind of return based on that project or, or based on the earnings that follow that. Um, and I think, you know, at the ISAs are, are a truly progressive financing instrument where, um, you know, everybody wins, you're, you're helping the small guys and you're making financing more accessible. Um, and so I think, you know, not only can we encourage uh, entrepreneurship with things like the Jobs Act and equity crowdfunding and more accessible financing there, um, but I think, you know, it's very similar uh, in the ISA world where, you know, we can empower these students to go and finish school. We can empower these artists and creators to go and build something now that they have this capital and kind of support network behind them. Um, and I think there are far more applications for this beyond just financing businesses or students. Definitely. It's, it's an exciting, it's an exciting future to think about. Um, and, and the example that you mentioned, um, I actually had an idea um, of like, what if creators, had funding rounds just like companies have funding rounds like what's an example like um tyler ward he's a very popular youtuber like he well no, let's do boyce avenue a lot of people know who boyce avenue is like if you knew about boyce avenue in 2010 and they were doing like a seed round or something you could invest and then get perks the whole way through and then like they could almost finance their way to how to becoming big faster just like startups do that's like something that i'm personally interested in very much so and one day you know maybe i'll decide to work on it who knows um, or if someone else is listening and you want to take it feel free i just want it to exist but for eventify um what would you say the future for uh for, for eventify is um and uh, you know if you had to look out you know 10 years 15 years or as far as you want to look out What's the big uh, picture that you're painting and, um, and uh, yeah, how you, how are you getting there? Yeah. So our mission right now is focused on building fairer, uh, more affordable, more accessible financing. Um, and so for us, that starts with thinking about, you know, how can we, how can we put that at our core and how can we kind of validate that students want this and validate this as an investable asset class and a fairly low risk um, asset, which we've, which we've identified as, as nursing students. Um, and so from there, I think adding on additional opportunities, whether it's refinancing existing student loans and income share agreements or building career tools on top of our financing to help these students get placed. Um, and then expanding to more verticals beyond nursing, like certificate based education, um, to help even more students go to, go to school and get jobs. Um, I, I also think there's a lot of potential to build in things that, uh, to get people to to go back to school or, or help upskill themselves or, or get better jobs. And so if you think about, you know, down the line, let's say, um, you know, I think first it, it takes people, I think on average about um, three months to, to find a new job, three to six months to find a new job. Um, and your current options today uh, are really either kind of uh, half-ass the job search um, while you're still in your, your current gig. Um, or quit your job completely and live off of savings for those three months until you find a better job. And I think that's really limiting, especially for people that don't have those savings. I think, you know, everybody's trying to move up in the workforce and everybody's, you know, after that next big thing. 
Um, and so I think there's a big opportunity for some finance company, um, hopefully Eventify, um, to come in and build a product for people um, that, that make these opportunities more accessible to them, um, allowing them to leave their jobs and find something better or allowing them to leave their jobs and go back to school and, and, you know, go and get their MBA or, you know, go and, uh, level themselves up as a nurse or a doctor. Um, and so I think, you know, financing is, is at our core. And I think, you know, we're, we're all excited about, um, you know, building, building that in a friendlier, fairer way than, uh, traditional financing companies are, are meant to be or are, are today. Definitely. That actually leads me to one more question that I, I didn't, I didn't really think about your company as like a finance company, but it totally is, right? That's exactly what you're doing. It just didn't have that category in my head. I'm curious, like, if you were to think, you know, 30 years from now or 20 years from now, do you see yourself? I mean, I'm not saying this is what you want you what you want to do. But like, are you amongst the uh, the Bank of America's and the Goldman Sachs and, and and these like legendary finance companies in New York? Would you say you're not obviously in the category of investment banking? But like, are you do you want to build a giant financial institution? Or is it something different? I just like never thought about it like a financial company. And that kind of like makes me think about it totally differently in the in a very cool way. I'm curious, like, do you want to be like, kind of see Goldman Sachs and Bank of America and be like, I want a building like that? Or is it something different? I don't know if that question makes sense. But what, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. That's an that's an interesting question. And I, I think that's a first for, for that question being asked. Uh, so props to you on that one. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, we definitely see our, our goal is to be, you know, this uh, big, great company that can help as many people as we can. Um, I think, you know, we're trying really hard to differentiate ourselves from traditional financial institutions on the market today. And so, um, you know, I think when people typically think of Wall Street or when people typically think of lenders, um, I don't think they have a very good view of them. And I think that um, you know, our goal is to be the first financial institution that um, people actually enjoy using and feel like is invested in their success. Um, and I think that comes down to not only the, the financing that we offer and the way that we offer it, um, but kind of these additional products on top of that, that tie into it and really align the incentives. So, um, you know, I think if we could be a, a huge financial institution, I think that's great. And I think in addition to, to being a huge financial financial institution, we have a ton more resources on, you know, personal finance tips and hiring and recruiting. And, you know, I think unbundling kind of the career success and uh, student aid departments from universities and building that to be its entirely new category and industry. Um, and I think we're, uh, we're one step of the way there and continue to get, to, uh, get closer every day. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. Um, and then my last final question in a, in a, in a couple of sentences, uh, what is something that the forward thinking founders community can do to help you get to your vision? What's an ask that you have for the community that we can help with? Yeah, well, I think, I think a couple of asks, um, one, if you're interested in, in supporting the company, we have an ongoing, uh, equity crowdfunding campaign, uh, where you can become an angel investor and in eventify for as little as a hundred dollars. Um, and that's at republic.co slash eventify. Um, and, uh, I think beyond that, just kind of evangelizing the movement. Um, telling your friends, family, uh, your kids about income share agreements and, and helping spread the word. Um, it's an education game right now. Uh, and, you know, right now we're competing against traditional lenders. So anything anyone can do to, to get the word out and uh, help evangelize the movement always helps. All right. I just want to drop in one last thing, then we'll finish. I 
uh, speaking of the, 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 the funding campaign that Justin just mentioned, um, I actually invested myself and this is the first, the first, I guess, angel investment that I've ever made it, that I've ever been legally allowed to make. Um, so I'm invested in this company. I think they're doing really, really cool stuff. I think Justin is awesome. And I highly suggest checking out the crowdfunding campaign. Um, it's, uh, it's really cool stuff. Um, and uh, it's cool that you came on to the podcast, Justin. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate the company you're building and, and best of luck, you know, making the vision happen. Oh, thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thank you everyone for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily there's another one coming up real soon. But before then, I have a couple things to tell you. First, if you're listening to this and you think you're working on something cool or you think you're smart, Hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman, and that is Matt with one T. So hit me up, shoot me a DM, and I'm happy to check out what you're working on, and maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please rate this podcast in the iTunes store, that would be awesome. I'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders. And the only way to do that, or one of the ways to do that, is growing with rankings. So if you liked what you're listening to, please just go onto the iTunes store, give it five stars or four, you know, or three. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but just tell whatever I deserve, you should rate that. With that, I'm signing off. See you next time. Bye.